This week on Art of the Air, our entire feature interview is focused on the Lobeznik Center for the Arts with Executive Director Janet Block and the new Education Director, Nelsie Marcano, and the Marketing Director, Samantha Bean. Our spotlight is on Kathy Feeman discussing her solo exhibit at the Chesterton Arts Center during February and March with a reception on February 5th. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself to art. And show the world your heart. Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, every Sunday at 7 p.m., also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight. We've had her before in an in-depth interview and also talking about some of the activities at IU Northwest. But she has her own exhibit opening at the Chesterton Art Center running February 1st through March 26th. And it has a reception on Saturday, February 5th at 11 uh, to 2 p.m. Please welcome Kathy Thiemann to Art in the Air Spotlight. Welcome, Kathy. Welcome. Hello. Glad to be here. Well, now you uh, tell us just briefly about your art practice, but then we want to know about the exhibit and what we expect, the title of your exhibit and everything like that. So tell us a little about actually, that. Yeah, what mediums you'll be uh, will be represented in this exhibit as well. Okay. Um, most of this work is primarily uh, painting, and I, I've been really interested in this uh, cold wax and oil paint technique that I kind of kind of evolved. Um, but I also have some elements of photography that will be in there and a couple of uh, book forms that complement the pieces on the wall. Um, so the, the theme uh, of the last probably three bodies of work that I've made um, centers around this idea of mooring, a time, a place, and a people. And so these, these are on that idea, uh, these different bodies of work, but in, uh, shifted in a little bit different focus. So they will have a similar feel. I um, often use this um, imagery of typography, topography, <laughs> not typography. <laughs> um, it just kind of evolved as um, a key element in just sort of the way that uh, our, our sort of 
personal narratives and landforms are kind of built around these experiences we have and um, memories, how we interpret them, how we live them out the first time and um, how we recall them and, and pass on our experiences to our communities and, and cultures are built. So there's that. It's kind of a poetic look. It's not a, it, it's not um, sort of a representational art form, uh, but I really want people to just sort of, um, just sort of enjoy the work, but um, just to sort of, uh, I'm hoping to transfer more of a feeling and an experience than this is a XYZ. <laughs> right. right. Probably so. why, because the, the title of the exhibit is Shadow Moorings and Undercurrents. So that, yes. that first part, Shadow Moorings, is is quite evocative. <laughs> well, the you know, the shadow part of it is really referring really in a, to literally some of the pieces and also more uh, of an idea of uh, memories being kind of a shadow of an experience or a recollection or even family histories that are passed on, you know, it is kind of a shadow. And then actually some of the pieces, uh, the subject matter that this topography is built around is actually the shadow that was taken from a family photo. So rather than the figures, it's really the shadow that was cast in there, just sort of to emphasize that whole idea of, you know, we're just sort of remembering a shadow of, of the event as it really was. And then the undercurrents, that's the most recent body of work, um, Mooring and Undercurrents, was really referring to the stories that were being told from uh, the women who immigrated in and built, helped build the um, Southeast Chicago steel mill communities um, because their stories were really sort of, their lives really were more undercurrents in those communities. Uh, although some of them were business owners, a lot of them, they literally built their communities. They welcomed other immigrants and uh, even those who didn't speak the same language. And um, there was a lot of, still a lot of economic sort of undercurrents in those communities. So it's a lot of that stuff tied together. So tell us about uh, uh, some of the other things you are doing. Uh, uh, we've interviewed you before, but uh, just for our audience that might catch this interview, uh, you're involved with IUN and some of your other art practice in the last couple minutes we have here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've had some experience teaching and, I, and I've enjoyed that, um, but I... I received my uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts from IU Northwest. And since I graduated, the School of the Arts has been formed that encompasses communication and performing arts and visual arts. And uh, for the last three years, I've been working for um, Lauren Pacheco. She came on as the Director for Arts Programming and Engagement. So I help with exhibitions and campus engagement projects and community projects. We're actually offering um, a series of uh, Third Friday community workshops. Um, we started that in the fall and they're going on through the spring. So just a lot of, um, we're just looking for fun, engaging ways to bring art in, to our communities and um, to really just, um, just sort of get some, uh, visual exposure for the School of the Arts as well. So I do a little bit of everything here. <laughs> <laughs> so quickly tell us, we've got just a little over a minute left, how COVID's in, uh, impacted okay. you both there and in your art practice. Oh, wow. Well, you know, it, I, I found that it's impacted people in so many different ways. I've known artists who 
their their studio practice just soared during COVID. They just really focused. You know, for me, it was it was challenging because part of my, you know, my main studio is here on campus, and campus was closed. Um, you know, it really we had to really push through to find innovative ways to 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 do and get public engagement when you know things are shut down. But uh, we actually launched uh, an art and action community pop-up events during COVID. And it was just a way to do something that was outdoors and really sort of, uh, you know, socially distant. And um, that just for people to, it was really born out of uh, one of our faculty members has um, toddlers at home and was just saying, you know, so many uh, parents just, they just want to get outside and do something with their kids. <laughs> so we thought, well, this is an audience. They're just looking for we're something that we can just go walk around and see some interesting stuff and have some art. So it's uh, that was one way that we well, very through. good at Chesterton Art Center, February first through the March twenty sixth, with reception on February fifth. Kathy Feeman's exhibit there. Uh, thank you for being on Art on the Air Spotlight. Yeah, best of thank luck, you. Kathy. Thank you. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. And now this edition of Art on the Air, we are going to cover the Lubeznik Center for the Arts and uh, also the people that are working there making things happen. If you know anything about Lubeznik, it serves a vibrant uh, showcase for exhibitions, a vital hub for the community there in LaPorte County and beyond. They have art education, outreach programs, uh, and great exhibits. And one of the people behind that is, of course, their executive director, which we're pleased to have here on Art on the Air, Janet Block. Welcome to Art on the Air. Magnificent Janet Block. Hello, oh, Esther. Hi. Thank you so much, Larry and Esther, for asking me to be on tonight. We want to kind of you to share your story a little bit about your personal journey. I always like to say how you got from where you were to where you are now. So where you grew up, where you went to school all the way through and everything like that, and before we get into other parts of your career. Okay. Um, well, I was born a long time ago. <laughs> Not <laughs> that long ago. I was born. <laughs> I was born in 1955. I, I tell people I used a hairdryer that had a bonnet on it, and I had to be right near the <laughs> right near the outlet. Um, so I I am starting to feel like I really have a history. Um, but I'm the youngest of three girls, and we grew up in Chicago. Um, and I can't say that art was really like this important thing in my home, but I think I think in that generation, um, my parents' generation and kids who grew up baby boomers, basically, um, I do think the arts played a more important role in our schools and in our just having some kind of cultural background. And so my parents did take me to museums. Um, my sisters loved to draw, and we always had some art books in the house. And... Um, they all had an impact on me. My father especially loved to pull out different books of paintings. And at some point, my father took us all to Europe. I was only seven. Wow. Uh, my oldest, my oldest sister's 11 years older. So she had a really different experience. But we, uh, we did visit um, Rome, Florence, Paris, we did go to the Louvre, and we did see the Statue of David. And um Everything made an impact on me, quite honestly. 
Um, and I went to the Art Institute several times with my parents and then also uh, with my school. And um, I always really loved to look at art and it, and I always felt it was special. I mean, we dressed up when we went to the museum and we listened carefully to the docents <laughs> and um and I just, I would just say that there was something early on where I felt like I was all, okay, well, one of the things that happened was all my teachers always told me I I could draw well or whatever. So I think that makes a real influence on a kid when you are encouraged by your, um, by your teachers. And so I used to just sit for hours and I would watch TV and I would draw while I watched TV and I would copy comic books. And I would, um, by the time I was in high school, my high school, um, we actually moved to the suburbs at that point And I went to Nutra West and they had an art department. They had a really developed art department and um, we learned about art history. So I think from the time I, was in high school, I really knew that um, I wanted to be an artist and I got great enjoyment out of doing art and learning about art. And um, that's kind of what happened. And I ended up so getting... Janet, what, what were you drawn to? What, what kind of art were you doing? And in the museums, were you drawn to any particular time period or style? Well, I remember when I was young in sixth grade, we went and saw an Andrew Wyeth show at the Art Institute. And I don't know that I was drawn to that style but of course it was mesmerizing to think somebody could paint so realistically but I remember seeing a film about him and the in at the Art Institute it was a short film and the film talked about how he had this um, dead deer hanging from a tree in one of his paintings and the um, and that the he had a collector and the collector the collectors wanted him to paint out the dead deer and he <laughs> said no. and he said no and that like made a huge impact on me like yes way to go <laughs> so i suppose but then in high school when i was in high school i don't know maybe it was 1971 or something we went and saw uh we went to the Art Institute again, and I and it was right after the installation of Georgia O'Keeffe's cloud paintings, and those really just delighted me. It was like, wow, I don't know what it was, but there just this innocence and a little bit of pop. You know, those are the few pieces that she has that have a little bit more of a, um, you know. Like she, she doesn't make realistic clouds. She just, she, you know, they're kind of these <laughs> patterned icon, icons. And I don't know, you know, I just, um, I liked a lot of, you know, like a lot of kids in high school, I liked surrealistic stuff. I liked abstract stuff. When I was in college, I discovered books on de Kooning. And um, I remember those made a huge impact on me. Right. So, you know, it's always been a journey of, um, taste and then and then the biggest influence was you know at the end of my um college career was really when the feminist art movement started and um and this whole embracing of a narrative a narrative that was personal that was dec somewhat decorative illustrative that spoke to me 
Miriam Shapiro was a visiting artist at the time at the Art Institute. She gave a lecture that kind of changed my life. And mm-hmm. um, and I would just say that, you know, so many influences, but I do think that art is... Ref- what, was the, what was the lecture? I mean, what was the... It was on her work and it was on her forming um, Woman House in California with Judy Chicago. But her work especially was has a lot of heart. And I think she's, you know, I don't think she's underrated, but I think she's underrepresented in the museum world and really a spectacular artist. So can you share what how your life changed then? That's a really, that statement, it changed your life. I, I mean, I think we all have those pivotal moments when mm-hmm. something just connects. I think it's the first time I really connected with the kind of art I wanted to make. Um, it was no longer like lessons in art or projects or given to me by teachers. It was, I want to make art about being a woman, about my, you know, my interior, my narrative, my, my home, which is very, was very, always very important to me, my domestic um, life. And I want to make art that where I can incorporate all those girly things that I love, (laughs) like beautiful pattern. Now it's very commonplace, but in the seventies, it was a minimal world out there in the art world. And, um, and most of, you know, so, so it had an influence on really inspiring me to make the kind of art I would then make for a long time. That's wonderful. Tell us a little yeah. about your formal education in art, uh, where you went to school and, you know, degrees and your focus mm-hmm. on, upon those. So I have a degree uh, from the Art Institute, both a BFA and a, an MFA um, in painting and drawing. And um, I finished my BFA after going to University of Miami in Coral Gables, Florida, for my first year of school. Then I was home. Um, I took a gap year, they call it now, but actually my father was dying. And then um, after he passed away, which was that one year, I went to uh, University of of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. And then I came back and I um, lived in Rogers Park, which is also where I had grown up. And I pretty much finished out all of my um, schooling by taking the L when it was 35 seconds (laughs) (laughs) and commuting. And, um, you know, the, um, I liked the Art Institute because you had a much more broad, um, you could really take so many varieties of classes and techniques and like you weren't, you didn't have that whole thing. I'd already taken actually all the stuff that I had to take, like, you know, 2D design and 3D design and this, but it had really interesting art history classes um, that were different than U of I. And they had, um, you know, I mean, it's not as big as it is now, but um, I mean, I remember taking a class where we built um where we constructed um, sculptures that were uh, inflatable. You know, I mean, <laughs> we're going to find that in Champagne. So um, that's my formal training. Um, so, at what point did you? At what point did you connect with Women Made then, or Woman Made? Woman Made wasn't until let's see. I was already quite a bit older. Um, 
I, I connected, I knew all about the, you know, the other women's galleries and nonprofit galleries in Chicago at that time. Most of them were co-ops, like um, they, they still had like a juried membership and they, they supported women, but more of their own um, community. It was still felt kind of elite and um, women made had a different model or, well, it really, I just went to a show with a friend of mine who invited me and I was like, what is this gallery? I'm so surprised. I don't know about it. And I went and it was a storefront in Ravenswood and it was charming. Um, I would, I think that at the time I was 36. So I'd already been out of school. I got my master's when I was 22 and so I, I had been painting and doing artwork, but I had not really entered into the, I, you know, I should say I did do some things. I had some grants. Um, I did some artists in residencies in different cities and um, they were different at that time. And then I, um, and then, uh, you know, as I was sort of getting back into my, getting more serious about my artwork, because I had to still make a living. So I was waitressing for a long time. I, um, I connected with woman made and yeah, something happened. My life changed again. <laughs> My uh, friend, Beata Minkowski, who was the founder and I just had some kind of synergy and um, the person she started woman made with really had more started it as a, they did their senior show from Northeastern. They were returning students. They were older, but they needed a place to have their senior show. And um, they, so they, they rented a storefront and then they wanted to keep it as a studio. But Beata really had this vision for a women's gallery. And I don't know, it just was the thing I wanted to do. And we, I said, well, what's it going to take? And um, I, put in $2,000 and we, we applied, you know, just so we could pay rent for a few months. And then we, um, we decided I would, you know, I'd pay myself back. And so we um, applied for the 501 C3, which was really quite grueling at that time. Um, and we, um, we got a board of direct, we, you know, we asked people to be on our board and we learned everything we could about nonprofits. And we did, we learned how to write press releases and how to hang shows and how to sit with jurors and how to ask people to, you know, we started poetry readings. And um, I mean, I, I can't even tell you all this at performances and there were a lot of really fun, crazy times. We started, we did a mural in the back that you could see at the Ravenswood Owl, the owl stopped right there. And we did a thing called the Wall of Women, which we jokingly called the Wall of Gina. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, like women kept coming. They're like, I'm, I mean, that was the thing. It was like, people would just be like, what is this place? It was just so grassroots and charming and, then we soon realized that women really didn't know anything about how to show their work. And so we started to put workshops together based on what I learned, you know, because people like come in with a painting and they'd be like, we hang this painting up. And I'm like, well, 
maybe this time, but not again. Like, you know, you have to sort of, you have to like get some tools. And really at that time, I would just say that we, we weren't taught tools, women or men in school. I mean, that was not part of the, you didn't learn how to write an artist statement. You didn't, that was not part of the art school um, experience like it is now. But I would say we were really kind of on the cutting edge of that, that we we saw the need and then we started to offer the workshops to everybody. And actually, that's how I made my living for a long time after one the made was workshops and clients. Um, had, had you done the book at that point or did the book? I hadn't, you know, I hadn't written the book at that point. I really wrote the book um, when I started at Lou Besnick Center. And I wrote uh, I wrote a book called Strategic Marketing Tools for Artists. And the reason I wrote it was I felt like I had put all this work into these really provenly successful ways of doing certain things. And people were were, you know, people were getting grants like my clients were you know, getting big grants and getting residencies and getting accepted into shows and building their resumes. And I just felt like because of the way I taught it was very experiential, I wanted to put that into a book, um, almost knowing that I wasn't going to be able to get back to doing that anymore, um, that I, I just wanted to have it written down, that this is how I taught it. And this was something I developed. And um, it's not, you know, it's not come not a complex book, but I think it really helps people understand how people who are, you know, gallerists or curators see work, how they're, you know, um, there is, there are criteria. It's not anything goes. And <laughs> a lot of it has to do with how you present it. Right. Cold call is not always a good thing. <laughs> Out of curiosity, is the book still available somewhere? Um, it is. I actually have some copies at um, at Lubesnik Center's gallery shop, but I also have a couple boxes here. <laughs> but I've um, I've mostly I I sold a lot of them in the beginning, and then I had a website for a while where you could buy it. I've brought them to conferences and given them to like the students because you know I want it out in the world, and I'm I think not it's on Amazon. It is on Amazon. Thank you, Esther. You yes. know what? It is on Amazon. You're right. It's a really good so, book, and your workshops were wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. I like teaching, and that's one thing that I know about myself. Um, I don't get to do as much of it now, but I I really do enjoy There, There is a good feeling about being able to communicate that information in a way that people can actually absorb it, you know? So you were a gallery manager at Woman Made for about 10 years, left there mm -hmm. um, about 2003, and then you went on to uh, go to uh, Artist's Road to Success uh, and did that for about five years. Well, well, that was my business. I actually then defined what it was and had a website and sold my book through it and had clients, and um, and that's what that was. That was... And actually, I moved to Chesterton in 2004 <clears throat> to be, I also, I also had shown in galleries since, uh, I mean, being, I, I'd been represented by a gallery since, I think, 1995. Um, and 
two different galleries, one, one with two different names <laughs> and then one, another gallery when that one closed. And um, I really moved to Chesterton because I wanted to have more room to make my art. And I knew I could have a studio here. Uh, I was way outgrowing my sunroom in Chicago. <laughs> so that was actually the motivation and, and the cost of living being cheaper. Um, I was going to be able to get more, um, you know, Square survive, <laughs> survive longer. Yeah. And then, um, and then the Lubesnik's I ever expected or planned for. So um, I'll just say, I'll skip ahead and say, you know, I mean, I was actually, I was a public art finalist for, I think six different projects, <laughs> never got one, but I know a lot about public art, but I, um, I mean, what I mean to say about that is I was very serious about my career as an artist and I feel like I was functioning at a higher and higher level. And then 2008 hit um, and all the savings that we had were diminished greatly. And, um, you know, I just realized that this art business is quite a luxury. <laughs> and um, at the same time, the uh, I, somebody told me they were looking for an education director at, at um, Lou Besnick Center. And uh, it just turned out to be the place of that I would thrive, that I feel like in my life I've thrived the most. So, I mean, I... If you'd asked me a woman made, I would have said that. And if you'd asked me as an artist, but um, but I'm very content. Well, tell us quickly, because we're actually down to about two minutes left, Janet, because this oh has gone fantastic. Yes. I know. About Lebesnik. You came there first as education uh, uh, coordinator director and then moved mm -hmm. into the uh, uh, executive director chair. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, honestly, the journey was that I just love Lebesnik Center and um, – and I could have been happy as education director always, but um, I had an opportunity. Um, somebody else basically had the had the opportunity before me, and I just think wasn't well suited to it. And um, they asked me, and I mean, I I would I couldn't have played it cool if I tried. I was like, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, that's what I want. And I do love it. It's a place that I think, um, I think it's a place of impact in the region. And it delights me to provide that. And um, I know I really feel bad that I'm talking so much about me, but I will just say about Lubesnik Center, it's, um, I recognized the, what, what it could do right away because I'd been in Chicago long and seen, you know, you almost have to fight to to with other nonprofits to like you know serve kids <laughs> or serve adults or do whatever. It's like oh no, this was really so beautiful and um, you know the direction that we're going with the kind of art we have planned for the next two years is kind of blowing my mind. Um, it really is, and uh, I mean we're going to have a Vivian Meyer show, and we're going to have. Um, this summer, we're having um, some of the some of the most recognized uh, African American artists in the nation, and um, you know uh, we have an opportunity to expose our community to this unbelievable level of art experience 
and we're, you know, we're serving a more diverse audience all the time. And I don't know, I just feel like I'm doing what, not just what my artwork life is about, but my work's life is about. And, you know, how fulfilling, very fulfilling and content. Well, we're um, just about ready to wrap up. So tell us how people, our audience, <laughs> where Lebesnik is and uh, information, contact information, website, such as that. Thank you, Larry. It's 101 West Washington in Michigan City, Indiana. Um, you can find us. It's a hell of a name, but it's uh, lubeznikcenter.org is our website, L-U-B-E-Z-N-I-K center.org. You can call me anytime for getting scheduling a tour, finding out about scholarships, classes. It's all on our website. You can, you know, but that's the easiest way. I'm always there to talk to people. Well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air. That's Janet Block, the Executive Director for Lebesnik Center for the Arts in Michigan City, sharing us about what's going on. You can find that information there at lebesniccenter.org. Janet, thank you so much for being on Art of the Air. Have a wonderful year, Janet. Thank you. It's embarrassing. It was like my bio. <laughs> no, thank you both. You're awesome. Hope you come visit. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. And we'd like to continue our interview here with uh, folks from the uh, Lebesnik Center for the Arts, talking about what's going on there and everything. So we're bringing on the Education Director, Nelsie Marcano, and Marketing Manager, Samantha Bean, and they're going to continue to talk to us about, first of all, their art journey and their journey working in the arts, and a lot about themselves and what's going on in Lebesnik. Both of you, welcome to Art on the Air. Welcome. It's so wonderful to see you both. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Well, let's start with uh, uh, Nelsie. You tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, I always like to say uh, how you got from where you were to where you are now. So tell us all about yourself and uh, how you got uh, to where you are now. Uh, sure. So um, I was an undergrad at uh, Columbia College in Chicago studying art history. Um, and from there, uh, I went into art education, graduated from Indiana University Northwest with my master's in that. I uh, got right into teaching, um, started in the region um, at a uh, high school in Portage, and then moved on uh, full-time to Chicago Public Schools, where I was an art teacher there for four years. Um, wonderful experience, taught at a bilingual school, um, so had that experience and um, came back to the region and came across Lubesnik, and well, here I am. So what about what about the earliest? Like, when did you start in the arts? Elementary school in your family before that? Oh, yeah. Um, so the passion came from my my mother, actually. Um, she was very much into the arts. She wanted to be a fashion designer. So I remember um, kind of drawing, you know, dresses with her um as a kid and I actually went to a school that didn't offer um very much art programming um which is the reason I'm a big advocate um for you know art programming in um our schools and uh through organizations like Lubesnik um that are able to offer it to you know students and kids who might not have it otherwise so I'm really um passionate about this position and and what we do very good. Well, Samantha, we'll move over to you and, uh, and just ask you a little bit about uh, the same question, how you got from where you were to where you are now. Sure. I'm, uh, I graduated from IU Bloomington with a degree in journalism and communications. 
Um, I've worked in the marketing field for about 10 years. Um, I spent about five of those years solely concentrating on graphic design. Um, but when I came across this Lubeznik position, I, I jumped at it. I, um, I've always been a big proponent for the arts, whether it be visual or uh, performing arts. Uh, so this is kind of just uh, a culmination of a lot of things I love. In high school, did you, um, were you, I noticed that you did a lot of theater. Was that in high school or elementary school? I got into theater in high school. Um, I injured my knee when I was a freshman, so I had to stop dancing and kind of trans- transitioned into theater. So uh, what, what shows were you in in your short theater career? <laughs> um, I was in Greece. Spamalot, um, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Guys and Dolls, Snoopy the Musical, Evil Dead the Musical. <laughs> <laughs> all, all musicals. Well, you know, uh, that's where my, my career is, mostly in musical theater. So, And uh, where did you go to school at? I went to school at uh, Lake Central High School in okay. St. John. Okay, very good. So you, you have that uh, background. So I was the director at the uh, Munster Theater Company for 18 years and then at the Center for Performing Arts for that. So very good. So how has theater then influenced your transition to more uh, marketing and uh, in the arts? When I was in college, I had a, an internship with the IU Auditorium, and I just loved it. I... Um, tried to stay as long as I could. <laughs> I didn't want to leave Bloomington. I didn't want to leave IU. I love the position that I had. Um, just being able to share the arts with everyone in the community is really why I do what I do. So, Nelsie, back to you just for real quick. Um, maybe, and Esther will probably explore this more, is uh, tell us a little bit about your personal art practice yourself. You know, what do you do? What, uh, uh, you know, besides teaching and education, you know, what what do you want to do when you're doing your own art? I'm doing my own art. Um, so <laughs> that takes me back to um, my early uh, college years. I actually began as a pre-med student <laughs> and I was going to be a doctor. Um, so you can imagine my parents' delight when I came home and told them oh, I'm going to be an artist now. <laughs> um, no, but they were very supportive. And um Something that I took away from those studies were, you know, kind of the biology, those beautiful illustrations that you see in those textbooks. So a lot of my personal art um, leans towards more like medical illustrations. Um, so like musculature and and things like that um, is kind of what I'm drawn to, just like those organic forms and shapes. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what what I deal with personally. And when I was going to school, that's what they told me to go into was medical illustration. Really? And it just, yeah. <laughs> didn't, uh, it wasn't um, that, I mean, it's appealing, but it was not what I wanted to do. Yeah. But I do appreciate the forms as well. So what, what medium do you like to work in the most? Do you have a um, favorite one? Yes. So I, um, for the illustrations, I used a lot of um, ink and watercolor. Um, is what I like to do. Just you know how watercolor kind of supports the the forms and it kind of flows in with it. Um, but right now I'm doing a lot of uh, just colored pencil and loving that. Um, so yeah, I know what it's like to to come up with curriculum. So do you have time during this beginning part at the Lubeznik Center to 
to make carve out time for your own practice. It's so fulfilling to do curriculum and work with the kids that sometimes we forget that we also have art practices. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar to being, you know, an, an educator, you know, even though I was a art teacher, you know, you're kind of making samples and building that curriculum. You kind of have to pass on, you know, your own projects. So it's a balance. And, um, I certainly think that working at a place like Lubeznik is very inspiring for an artist um, because this is such a creative atmosphere and you're constantly collaborating with artists and looking at, you know, our exhibitions coming in. So it's very inspiring to me. Um, and I just want to go home and, and start on my own work. Um, that's okay. So so, because the place is so physically beautiful itself. It's yeah, like so, del- that Hyman Gallery is just so delightful. Yeah. As so well as the upstairs galleries too, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. And even, you know, downstairs, um, in our Nipsco galleries, we have our shows here. Um, right now we had our, um, Social and Learning Institute and Paladin show. So students from those classes, um, you know, so seeing like local artists and then, you know, our, our bigger, um, galleries upstairs, all of it, you can just kind of take it in and it's all just inspiring to be around. So, Samantha, are you still drawing? Do you have an art practice independent of marketing and graphic design? No, I, I kind of stopped my um, drawing and painting and physical art uh, in high school. <laughs> I haven't really gotten back to it. So as marketing director, what are some of your uh, challenges putting the word out about Lebesnik? I mean, it, uh, it's well known in the Laporte and beyond, but uh, tell us about some of the things and uh, initiatives that you're doing to maybe expand on that. Well, one of the things that we really have to uh, deal with is COVID and bringing people into a large space with a lot of people. Uh, one thing that Lubesnik Center has done is started these smaller private tours we're always free and open to the community, but we've um, started doing these smaller private tours where you could call ahead or email ahead and ask for um, a certain day or time. And we'll show you and your group um, smaller t- tours of all of our exhibitions so you're not so heavily inundated with a lot of people. We also have um, online virtual tours for students. That Nelsie loves to film. (laughs) That's a new initiative we've uh, started since COVID. And those are wildly popular with children and our art teachers that like to come here. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. So, uh, Nelsie, tell us about some of the programs that you, well, first of all, you came into an existing educational uh, program. uh, But, you know, things that you currently have and some things that you're maybe looking to develop. Yeah, so um, it's been amazing kind of getting a feel for everything that's going on. Um, Lubeznik is very involved in the community. Um, So like Sam was saying, we have our student learning tours. Um, We do a lot of outreach programming. Um, So we're involved with Safe Harbor for the after school program. Um, Again, with uh, programs like uh, the uh, Social Learning Institute and Paladin working with those adults and offering art classes to them, as well as our Teen Arts Council. Um, That's been definitely a highlight of this position for me, is building a strong core of local teens and being able to offer them, you know, art supplies and having local artists come in and talk about their work. 
all free of cost to the members has been awesome and super fun just to engage with the youth of the area. Are um, they mostly Michigan City or do they go beyond no, on your teen council? Yeah, we've expanded. Um, so we've gone as we're going as far out as Portage High School right now. So we've Excellent. got Portage, Valpo, Laporte, um, and then of course our Michigan City group. So we've really expanded that, and I'm excited to to do that and to partner with uh, new schools. Um, and then obviously we have our spring classes coming up. So all of our wonderful in-house classes um, that you can um, find online. Those are coming up pretty soon. And then um, the family days that we have, our next family day is February 12th from 1 to 3. Um, and it's going to be inspired by our uh, current exhibition entitled Nature Now. So that one's going to be super fun for you know families to come in, get a tour, make a project based on the exhibit. I always enjoy interacting with the community in that way. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. So I, I noticed that your dog is named Picasso. Is, yes. that, is that also one of your favorite artists? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was just a cute name for a, a very a snobby Pomeranian, I thought. <laughs> but yes. My girlfriend, her dog name is Kahlo, so it's a... Oh, it's a, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Sweet. Well, expand a little bit on what actual classes that you have at Lebesnik. Uh, you know, and you talked about them in generalities, but just give us some samples of, you know, what types of things that they can expect uh, of all ages. Sure. So starting with our um, younger ones, we have um, drawing for young artists. So that's for um, seven through twelve age range, um, and then we have mixed media for middle school and high school. So that's going to be an awesome um, class with an instructor who takes them through watercolor and collaging. Um, and, and the fabulous Michelle Weiser. Oh, yes, of course. Michelle is still, yes, here. Um, and then we have our workshops. Um, so we're doing a fused glass workshop as well as a felted flowers one. Um, so those are super fun. And then we have our core classes. So we have abstract painting one and two, um, beginning and advanced mixed media. Um, that's with Michelle Weiser. She's great. Um, and then, of course, our Sandcastle writers, the ever popular group. Completely. Um, yes. So those are all things that we have offering this spring and um, available for registration. So what is starting wine and canvas at night? this uh spring as well so nelson's yeah. got two of those set up one in february and one in march yes and those are led by yours truly <laughs> uh -huh. so samantha what's your next campaign that you're working on for the lubesnik center well we're getting ready to um plan for our next exhibition which is going to be latinx american which features all latinx artists from all over the country some really great art, and I'm really excited about that one. We also received a uh, grant, a cash reserve fund challenge grant from the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation. If we raise $25,000 for our cash reserve, they will match it. And so we're also really excited about launching that and uh, getting this cash reserve. So we we focus on sustainability and, and all of our programs for a long-term lookout. 
Oh, that's something to look forward to. That's wonderful. Samantha, um, maybe people don't know what a marketing director does. So let's go through, and I know there's not a typical day, but what is it? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about a typical thing when you come in uh, either a day or a week or something like planning for uh, upcoming events, what's going on currently. Sure. Uh, lots of emailing, checking my email, um, keeping up with that, press releases, social media, working with our corporate partners and our media partners, um, sending out direct mail pieces, working on copy for all of our um, art project, art galleries, um, working with our grant writers, Branding, it's just something different every day. <laughs> it sounds very full. <laughs> it's probably a very full thing. So, um, and how do you interact with the uh, the media? I mean, is that are you the ones that kind of become the spokesperson for the thing, or is it more what you've been talking about, emailing and behind the scene? I I would like to say that Janet, our ex- executive director, is our spokesperson. So I'm the one just kind of coordinating her, <laughs> her appearances. <laughs> um, she's she's been here for so long she was the education director before um but she she's now the executive director and so i like to put her in the spotlight and listen to her talk and be so passionate about what we do yeah she certainly is passionate about the arts so nelsie back to you do you have any classes that you want to do that you haven't implemented yet or something where you brainstorm and say oh i really like to do and just need either resources or something or just the opportunity um, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> as an educator, you're always kind of thinking of what, you know, what else can I bring? What, what's new? What's trending? Um, so there are a ton of <laughs> classes that I would love to bring in. Um, and, you know, it's about collaborating with other artists. So, you know, having the experience of going to a local university, um, you know, what, my colleagues are doing now and, you know, teaching. So being able to bring in those um, connections that I made as, you know, a college student. Um, Nelsie, are you also doing a summer program? Yes. So we have our summer camps going on and summer classes. Um, so we're working on all of that right now, getting down the themes and the curriculum um, to work on. Mm-hmm. And is that mostly an outdoor program or is it indoors as well? How are you... Um, yeah, both. So for, you know, uh, the children's summer camps, um, there's definitely aspects where they get to go outside, um, whether it's, you know, just for um, breaks or lunch or even um, going out into the community. We're working on like nature themes for some of the um, curriculums. So seeing, you know, what areas might be available to incorporate maybe gardening or farming, things like that. So we're always excited to see like you know, where we can take the students um, and what we're able to do. And this might be for both of you. So is um, the art fair and the gala, is that in the works as well? Yes, they are. (laughs) We actually opened up the artist registration for the Lubesnik Art Festival recently. So if anyone is interested in showing at the art festival this year, you can sign up online at lubesnikcenter.org backslash events. Um, but we also have our gala this year as well. Uh, is the plans for the gala going to be in person? I, I know you never can predict with how COVID has influenced us over these past couple of years, but um, you're going to try to actually have one in person. And when approximately will that run? The plan is to be in person uh, this year. And we are looking at um, June 25th for our gala. 
with the art festival, um, is it going to be the format of galleries inside and individual tents outside still, or is that going to shift? We're still keeping that format. Yes. Good one. Yeah. This year is going to be our 40th um, annual. So definitely have some surprises and um, extra kind of events uh, in the works. So we're excited to put that on this year. Yeah. The Lubeznik Art Festival is August 20th through the 21st. Very good. So anything, any visioning you have, uh, we kind of talked about that uh, uh, for things that are coming. And I know this might come more from Janet, but just what you guys are involved with, uh, interacting with everyone there, because it's kind of like a pool of very creative people for future Lebesnik expansion or anything like that. Yeah. So as far as programming, um, we've already begun um, implementing a bilingual program. Um, so I'm very um, honored to head that and offer um, bilingual tours and things like our family days. Um, we're able to offer that to our Spanish speaking community now. Um, so we're really excited to um, work with local partners to continue that and carry it forward. Um, also introducing programming like ASL tours, so American Sign Language, just um, anything that we're able to begin and run to bring in um, more audiences and be inclusive and diverse. Um, that's our mission, and that's what we are excited to bring forward in the future. So, Nelsie, who curates the NIPSCO galleries? I mean, do you are you the do you bring in the art for? I know that the um, area artists have the small room but do you do you curate the other room yeah so um that's something that i um came into the position you know we we plan these things kind of years ahead um so uh we're still carrying out the former schedule um and i'm starting to kind of um bring in artists and um yes so that's one of the definite um perks of you know being able to curate as education director has really been exciting and uh, Samantha, so you're, uh, we talked about your day-to-day and everything like that. Any plans outside of Lebesnik to do, you know, what, what do you like to do for fun, for example, outside of work? Um, every now and then I'll do a show around here at a local theater. Um, I do that for fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> recently I was in Guys and Dolls at the LaFort Little Theater. Okay. Um, I love doing shows there. They're great. Um, but I like hanging out with friends, going, you know, out to eat, drink having fun. Um, I'm a little bit of a couch potato too. So, you know, just sitting on my butt is, <laughs> is always fun. And Nelsie, same thing for you. What do you like to do, you know, for fun outside of the art world? Oh, outside of the art world. So I can't say my, um, working on my art then. Um, I mean, yeah, just, uh, local things, movies and, um, I'm going to say galleries because that's outside of the art world. If you're an observer, um, yeah, I mean, Picasso takes up a lot of time and I'm happy to spend it with him. So, yeah. Well, we have a little less than a minute left. So tell us about how we can find out about uh, all the things going on at Lebesnik Arts Center, different things going on. So whichever you want to take that website's contact information. Sure. Well, you can always find us online at LubesnikCenter.org. You can always call us at 219-874-4900. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, and, um, and uh, you can always sign up for our emails when you're at, on our uh, website as well to keep up to date. 
Very good. Well, we'd like to thank you for being on Art in the Air and sharing about your uh, support of uh, the Besnick Center for the Arts. Uh, that was Nelsie McConnell, Education Director, and Samantha Bean, the Marketing Manager. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Art in the Air, and we'd like to thank our guests this week on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art in the Air is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. and rebroadcast Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP. Art in the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks again to Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager, and Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts. Underwriters for Art in the Air, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments, and Marilyn Van, Arts Patron. Art in the Air is always looking for financial support. We'd like to thank our current supporters. If you're looking to support Art in the Air, Esther and I especially would invite you to become an underwriter of this program in particular. We have information on our website at breck.com slash AOTA. You can find out support information there. So don't just be an Art on the Air listener. Become a supporter or underwriter in whatever amount you're able to do so so we continue to bring you this great content and this great local programming. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. And you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself to art. And show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself to art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself to art and show the world.